Hello, this is Zach, and you are listening to the Point Momentum Podcast, where you will find insightful, life-filled, and experience-based discussion as we delve into issues related to health, wellness, family, and life. Point Momentum, moving families and individuals into greater wholeness and strength. Enjoy! guys, how are we doing today? Uh, welcome to the Point Momentum Podcast. I am really excited about today. Today's going to be fun. It's, it's a little bit of a homecoming to me, a little bit of a homecoming for me. I'm sitting here with Dr. Alicia Ferguson. Hello, Dr. Ferguson. How are we doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Guys, Dr., uh, Dr. Ferguson is the director of the social work department at the University of Arkansas. So really excited that she gave us that she gave us some time, and that we're going to have this conversation. Um, I ha- I got my undergrad from the University of Arkansas, uh, as I, Dr. Ferguson and I were just talking about before we started recording. Uh, and so to me, it's a little bit of a homecoming. It's like you know they're like in their their third building since I was here last. There's probably the only is that I think now somebody will kill me if this isn't true. But as I look through kind of all the professors. I mean, I think the only professors that are here are ones that I would only have known. I wouldn't have known as a professor. I would have known them as a colleague back earlier in my career. Right. Since I was looking through the list, I was like, oh, I remember that one. Oh, you know what? I think that's wrong. There may. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not going to keep my mouth (laughs) shut on that. So really excited to chat with Dr. Ferguson today. So Dr. Ferguson, why don't you introduce yourself for us? Okay. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, whatever you want. Um, as Zach know. said, my name is Alicia Ferguson, and I am the director for the School of Social Work. Um, I've been the director for about three and a half years now, and I've been at the university for 13 years, going on 14. Um, the internet says 10 years, so we got to get that corrected. Yes, we do. We need to <laughs> we need to update that. Maybe we shouldn't put stuff like that on the internet because <laughs> we change it every to, year. Yeah, we forget to update it. Yes. So I think my um, website says the same thing. Actually, now that I think about it, I think my website says I've been doing it for 10 years or something. I'm like, oh gosh. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then you forget, and then it's dated, and then you get called out. By there your you friend. Go. There you go. There but you go. yes, um, I came here from Texas. I'm originally from Texas, and that's the okay. accent you hear. Gotcha. Um, sometimes it's more prevalent than Are you others. kind of all the time from, t- like, born and raised in Texas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Born and raised in East Texas, and I moved here from Dallas. I'd lived in Dallas for a long time. Okay. I have a bachelor's, master's, and a PhD in social work. And most of my practice experience, about 18 years, was in medical social work, okay. mostly with geriatrics and their families. And um, I also worked in a family medicine residency doing training for family medicine physicians for a long time. But I decided after I got my PhD that I wanted to be with my people. And so I decided I wanted to work in a university. Okay. Your people. Um, Your my people. people. All social workers. You know, in healthcare, <laughs> you're usually in interdisciplinary teams. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't have as you don't have as many social workers around. However, I loved all those people too. But I did decide I wanted to work with my people. Yeah. yeah um, I didn't fun. know that Fayetteville existed until I um, landed an interview here. Okay. And I flew here from Dallas. Loved it and thought it was beautiful. It also had all of my criteria. I wanted to be in a smaller place, so I wanted one area code, one Starbucks, and one Target. <laughs> And uh, so when I moved here, <laughs> one area code, one uh-huh. Starbucks, one Target. I appreciate that's right. that. that. That's, that's good right. criteria. That's good criteria. Because you know, one area code, that means there aren't that many people. Yeah. Yeah. So we still have one area code. So we're doing pretty good. We yeah. got a lot more. We've got more Targets, I think, and we have a lot more Starbucks. But yeah. 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 So that was my criteria. See, it's beautiful here. And it's a great place. The University of Arkansas is a wonderful um, institution. Yeah. Um, even if we don't like that word all that much, you know, <laughs> but it's a wonderful university, lots of opportunities yeah. and, um, it's great. Yeah. How big is the, so I'm just, how, how big is the social work department these days? Like how many students are, would you say are in the social work department? I don't we know how have, you that. yeah, we have about 60 grad students at any one time, maybe okay. 65. Um, and we have about 150 to 200 majors at any time. Okay. So in the world of social work schools, we're small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which it gives us a lot of advantages, actually. Yeah, yeah. a little more flexible. Mm-hmm. And we have a cohort system for our grad students, which is great. Um, if you go to a big grad school, it's a lot like 
you know, you don't, you don't have a network or a cohort of people, students around you. You're, it's more just like being an undergrad, you know, and going to classes. That's how it was for me. But here our students begin together and end together. Um, They're in all the same classes except for their electives. They build these bonds that last for a long time and, so the networking and the support while they're here, as well as the networking and support from now on. And so I think that's what makes our graduate school special. Our undergraduate is somewhat like that as well, except that um, we don't have official cohorts, yeah. but we but they do seem to move through together. So I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed my time at the U of A undergraduate bachelor's program back in the day uh that that was very fun uh how did you how did you get into social work well um i was a police dispatcher oh really and that's how i went to college there you go it's a great way to go to college yeah it's probably not so is this headset familiar then yes it's very familiar bringing you back to your Mm -hmm. and i still know some of the 10 codes too (laughs) i can still do that um, but that's how, how I was going to college. And I had decided pretty early on that I wanted to work in, I did want to work in child protective services and, um, investigate child abuse. And so I was looking at criminal justice and sociology because where I live, there wasn't a social work degree. I didn't even know about it. Yeah. And one day, one of my sociology professors asked me what I wanted to do. And I told him and he said, Oh, you need a social work degree. And you're like, what's that? Uh-huh, exactly, exactly. And where do I have to go for that? Well, I had to move from East Texas to uh, Arlington, Texas to okay. pursue that. And I did. And I was still a police dispatcher in Arlington and <laughs> in, a, in one other suburb of Dallas. And uh, pretty quickly realized that, that it was the place I needed to be. I did an internship in Child Protective Services. And then I did one in a hospital. And I was really hooked in the hospital and with working with families and older adults you know in general hospitals you work with everybody but mostly older adults and their families because that's who's in the hospital yeah um and so it took off from there and haven't looked back that's funny hearing you tell that story because that was pretty similar and not i mean there's at least similarities to your story and like my story of how i got into social work i started going to school to be an engineer so i did like a year and a half of being an engineer <laughs> and then at some point in time it was, it was somewhere around the like university physics two phase of being an engineer i was like what am i doing <laughs> i don't want to do this <laughs> i did not know social work was a degree either i'd never heard of it as a you know degree mm-hmm. and so anyway i took a dropped all my engineering classes kind of started figuring out what i wanted to do stumbled upon social work somehow and was like i like it let's do this and here you are. And here you are. But never heard of it before. I was like. And you didn't have to take calculus four. I didn't. I was done with math at that oh. point. I mean, so like as soon as I had done like Cal 2, uh-huh. I sat down with my social work advisor. I was like, well, I've had Cal 2. And they just kind of laughed and said, well, you're done with math. <laughs> that's, all. <laughs> you're, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I was happy about that. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Cal 4 until I was working here. And I was down at the hopper one day and a student was working the desk and, and he was working on his Cal 4. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Really? <laughs> Algebra. I came Algebra. home from the first week of summer school algebra crying, thinking I'd never finished my bachelor's degree. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, very fun. That's a fun story. And let's, you know, this is, we had this question at the end of our list as we talked about it, but I, I don't know, you, you, the elderly population, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's touch base on that for a second if you want to. Sure. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Well, first, before we do that, we have to define social work for people. Okay. Uh, so let's do that first, and then let's chat a little bit about the elderly stuff, and then we'll jump into some of those other topics we talked about. Okay. So people don't know what is – I mean, like, we didn't even know it before we, before we went to school about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, why don't you give us a definition, a layperson's definition, or however you want to define it, about what social work is? Okay. So – um, we've hinted to this already, but social work is not just taking away the children. It's not just working for Child Protective Services. That was my first job, by the way. 
it at, was at yeah, Child, yeah, Protective, Child Services. Protective Services. Yeah. You learn a lot there and you do a lot of good. But it's not the only yep. way to be a social worker. In fact, some people who work at Child Protective Services are not social work trained. They're not social workers. Yeah. Um, my friend Glenda House, who Zach does yeah. remember, she used to say social workers are not just the people who hand out the cheese. <laughs> and so you probably got to be a little older to know that one because uh, the commodities, when the government used to pass out commodities, I mean, social workers amongst all their other duties, passed out the cheese. But um, <laughs> I've never heard her say that. Or if I did, if I, I have heard her say it, it it's, it's gone. I've, I've forgotten, but that's funny. I, I can, see, I, I can yeah. see Glenda saying that. I think I even have a recording of her saying that. But um, <laughs> she's now retired happily. Yeah. But uh, social work is a profession. And that's really important. That's an important thing to know about, about social work. Uh, the social work profession is with any profession has a body of knowledge a philosophy and a code of ethics. And oftentimes when you're in a profession, it's because you have a calling, not necessarily religious calling, but you kind of have a calling or a desire to, to work with people or to do whatever is needed in that profession. Uh, We work in all areas of, in all sectors of nonprofits and social service agencies, you'll find social workers in criminal justice, in schools, in hospitals. Um, you'll find social workers in private practice like you are in, mm-hmm. in, uh, and uh, doing mental health therapy with people. Uh, social workers are leaders of organizations. We provide case management or care management for people. We solve complex problems. I used to tell people I was a professional problem solver because what we really learn in social work school is how to solve uh, how to solve complex problems, how to look at problems from all different angles, and how to see people as um, kind of this sum of their parts, right? We're not just interested in their thoughts today. We're also interested in, did they eat today? Do they have electricity? Are they able to get where they need to go? What what is it in their background that's led them to having troubles today? You know, what is in their family systems now? So we kind of take a whole snapshot of a person and then we try to help them solve problems or work through issues. Um, The other thing that we really talk a lot about is self-determination. We want people to determine what they want to do. We just help them get there. We try to guide them there. Um, Social work is a really neat degree to get in college because you actually learn skills while you're in college. We have classes called Practice 1, Practice 2, Practice 3, where you actually learn skills to work with people. And then we send you out into internship, which is called our signature pedagogy. Um, it's our signature way that we teach people. Okay, we gotcha. put you out in the field. That's a new term for me. Yes, pedagogy. I know. I throw <laughs> it in every conversation Signature if I can. pedagogy. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. So uh, just to have experiential learning out in the field. And, our, and we probably place 100 students in the field in any one semester. So our students are actually out there helping social service agencies provide services to to uh, people before they even graduate. Lots of um, what you might call free labor out there as they <laughs> learn their craft. Um, so that would be my best definition of social work. I hope yeah. that it wasn't too rambling. No, that was perfect. Uh, I know one of the things that is I kind of chose this field, one of the things that I that attracted me to it was the practical nature of it, right? Hands-on, getting your hands dirty, the practicums, the the uh, the signature pedagogy <laughs> of the practicums, uh, it, like that component of it, just just the practical. Like it felt like to me, you were as opposed to. I mean, there's lots of theory and and thought and all that kind of stuff that goes into everything, obviously. But there was a sense of let's get our hands dirty, mm-hmm. right? Let's get in the middle of it. And I was like, if I'm gonna jump into and like social issues, social problems, things of that nature. You know, you, you want to get in the middle of it. You don't want to start from some kind of high and lofty place that, I don't know, tries to move theory around or whatnot. Say, hey, l- let's touch it. Let's feel it. Let's get to know it. Let's work with these people. Let's, uh, the kind of da- down and gritty of it was always real attractive to me. Yeah. And you don't want 
someone who's not actually ever done anything yeah. to be your social worker <laughs> or your doctor yeah, or yeah, your yeah. nurse. You really want that experiential piece. And I, I want to mention, too, that we're licensed. Um, Bachelor-level social workers are licensed in Arkansas, as are master's-level social workers. Mm-hmm. And then you can also... Uh, have additional supervision and another test and you can have an advanced license. And that's what Zach has. He has an exam advanced license in social work. And so we are licensed. And um, one last thought is yeah. we pretty much are the community profession. Uh, you know, our work is all out in the community. And yeah. so that's, that's the other thing I love about it. That's my favorite thing to do is community work. Yeah, yeah. So just a question about the U of A department. So when I did my graduate work, uh, the school I went to had three different tracks, right? You can take a clinical track, you can take a kind of a macro level community practice track, or kind of a combined track where you kind of did a little bit of both. Uh, and they kind of had those defined. And I know not all, every social work department is a little bit different how they might do that. Does the U of A define it that way? Or is it just one track and you kind of sprinkle in various components of that or how, how does that work for, for we are uh what would be called an advanced generalist program okay. so we don't have tracks okay. in that way but we do have a practice model that we use it's called multi-systems life course okay. and so we teach uh we teach our students across every level of practice you know direct practice with one person or one family or even macro practice which is working with communities or large groups um, we teach all of everything that we teach is connected to multi-systems life course, which looks at which looks at someone through systems theory, which is how they interact with others in their lives. Uh, life course theory, which talks about how what's happened in the past affects what's happening now. Uh, symbolic interactionism, which uh, is what things mean to you. So if you get arrested, what does that mean to you? Or it, and also social change theory, because we want to change society. We want to have social change. And so all of our teaching is underpinned by, uh, we, we nickname it MSLC, that theory. That said, most of our students go into clinical work, go into direct practice one-on-one, mm-hmm. and they're very prepared to do that because of our electives and because of our internships. But we do train leader practitioners. We are training for leadership skills, and we're training for people to lead organizations or lead advocacy efforts. Yeah. Okay, good. Interesting. Uh, I, I've heard social work students that have graduated from you guys talk about uh, some of that stuff, but I wasn't exactly sure how it was structured. So that was just for my own personal, you know, learning there. Very there fun. Go. Very cool. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just, ju- okay. We've got kind of a list of things to talk about, but let's start with the practical since, you know, we've jumped into social work, super practical, we want to jump into that. So so let's, so I know you have a big interest in some of your research and interest is in kind of the elderly population, right? Mm-hmm. The geriatric population, whatever word you want to use. Uh, and I know that's definitely something I work with in my office. And I have some thoughts on that, especially as it comes to COVID, how, how this kind of COVID environment has affected that population. Let's start there and then work our way big from there. How, how does that sound? Sure. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think the biggest way that the COVID uh, pandemic has affected older adults is because of isolation. Yeah, Isolation has been a big problem for older adults uh, as people age over time for some, you know, for a while. Uh, families don't live as close together. Yeah. Uh, in places like Fayetteville, there's not as much transportation. Yeah. People who aren't able to leave home can't. Do you have a Target and Starbucks, though? Just, That's right. Just we do. If they can that. get there. We have Target <laughs> and Starbucks. Yeah. And we have, you know, we have the Razorback bus. But, there you, go. you know, not not as much as we need, right? Yeah, we always yeah. need transportation. Yeah. Um, but during the COVID pandemic, you know, older adults were told just to stay home. Yeah. Uh, everything that they... Everything that they were participating in or had planned on doing suddenly changed. And they they stayed home all of the time, maybe run out to get groceries, but, yeah. you know, people would rather have them delivered. Um, I, so I think that's probably the biggest problem was isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, compounding that, a lot of things went online, you know. Yep. A lot of things went virtual. Well, if you haven't been online 
or you don't have equipment or you don't have funds to have internet, then it's really hard to connect back in there. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of added to isolation for older adults. Yeah. I haven't really read anything much on this, but I have a feeling that ageism has probably become a little bit more prevalent or a little bit more in your face. Yeah. With the pandemic, um, as people discuss who should get vaccines, when they should get vaccines, who is dying, what do those deaths mean? Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things, I have a feeling, and I need to do more reading on it, but I have a feeling there'll be some studies about ageism and how it's sort of popped up even further than, you know, just in the workplace and things like that. I mean, you almost have to make the argument that those people that would that were especially early on in the COVID days who were just like, Hey, let's just all herd back. I mean, herd immunity and just go out and do our thing. That's a little bit of a form of ageism probably mm-hmm. there as well, because you're, you're overlooking those, those populations that are a little bit more. So yeah, I, I, I haven't thought about that, but I bet absolutely. You, you could even really see it. I don't know what happened to the vaccination effort in the nursing homes, but you mm-hmm. know, COVID was rampant there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it seems as though, just from the statistics, that the vaccines didn't roll out very well in Arkansas for the nursing homes. And so that's another thing that I think we need to be looking into. But I think that's another big problem with that is uh, just the way that COVID went through all those facilities. And then why aren't we vaccinating those people first? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, everything you're saying is very consistent with what I've seen in my office. Uh, especially as COVID has moved forward, as, as, as we've gone deeper into it, you saw people that, you know, could tolerate it for maybe the first six months of the isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it's grown, uh, I'm getting more and more phone calls from 65 and over population that it's, uh, and across socioeconomic classes too, where some might, uh, where some might be in more poverty, some might have plenty of money, but they're, they're, they're more scared. Uh, of COVID, it's it's changed their plans, especially those, if you're talking about the higher socioeconomic classes where they wanted to travel and they wanted to do these things, they can't do that anymore. Uh, and so you're seeing that component plus also the lower socioeconomic classes where they just feel, you know, further isolated. And with the technology where, say, my children or even me, I feel like I can get a connect off a Zoom call. I can, you know, I can get a social hit off of that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where these guys weren't raised on it, like, like I mean, like I was probably right at that borderline where we kind of started to kind of be raised on it. But especially like people younger than me, I mean, it's like nothing, right? I mean, it's like if my kid gets on Zoom, he might as well be talking to you face to face. You know, what I mean, yeah. he's he's get he, he's used to it. He's comfortable with it. He's fl- he's emotionally flexible enough to kind of handle those things and and enjoy them. Where the older populations, some of them, not all, but they're just not as used to it. And so they're not, they're having a hard time. And I've had some that even though they might be a little more flexible with it, their friends aren't, mm-hmm. right? That's and so, right. And so their friend can, doesn't even know what Zoom is or can't even get on effectively. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, and also too, they're saying, uh, sorry, Dr. Ferguson, I'm going off on this because it is something I've seen a lot. It's like, you're also seeing that their friends are dying too. Yes, so, right. Exactly. Yes. That's so, a that's a really important point. I yeah. mean, that's a that's something about aging that has always been tough or difficult for that population. Yeah. Their friends and start this just to exacerbates die. Exacerbates that. Mm-hmm. But now it's even more than that. Yeah. You know, it's just there's so many dying. Um, if we go back to the technology a little bit, I have been working with Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. I'm on their advisory board, mm-hmm. and I've been teaching free Zoom classes okay. uh, to nice. help to help their uh, the people that take the classes there. They're, it's free whether you're a member or not, but to to become more savvy yeah. about Zoom. And the biggest thing I say is I want you to have less anxiety. Yeah. You know, you're not, it's going to be fine. You can touch anything here you want to. It's not going to, nothing's going to break anything. That's right. You, I don't want you to have less anxiety and want to interact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing about that though, is they'll have old equipment. Yeah. And old equipment doesn't necessarily jive with the newer, like Zoom or, or, uh, some of the newer technologies as well. But yeah. 
that has definitely been something I've run into when doing like teletherapy sessions, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of teletherapy sessions with an older population. And they've got some computer that's from like like 2000 or 1995. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who knows how old it is? Yes. And it it doesn't, like the video is not working. The sound is like echoey real bad. And so you're having to kind of overcome those challenges uh, and being very patient with people Mm -hmm. uh, as you're trying to kind of make those connections. So, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, that population to me, just just based on the microcosm of my office, has been the hardest hit population. Definitely. I don't, not, I don't know if that's true or not, but based on what I see, that's the hardest hit population. I think so, too. I think, you know, of course, people in poverty, people who had to go out and work even when it wasn't safe, yeah, they were yeah. hit pretty hard as well. Yeah. People who lost their jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's I, tough but, to say which is the hardest hit. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you but, know... It, uh, there can be more resilience among that population or more options yeah. when all it is is that you're stuck at home and your family can't come to see you and your friends are dying and people in the facilities are dying and their family can't go to see them. Yeah. It, yeah. It's been really tough. Yeah. You see, I'm seeing more hopelessness in that population, which this was a time in their life that they were going to, you know, retire, do all these kind of things. And, mm-hmm. and now it's just been totally turned upside down. So anyway, so that's interesting to hear. So tell me about the, uh, you're you're teaching these Zoom classes. Mm -hmm. What was the organization again? Tell us who that is. It's called Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. It's a part of the University of Arkansas. And it's for uh, folks 50 and up. And they... um, they have, they teach, it's like, it's lifelong learning. So they teach a lot of courses on a lot of different things. Okay. Um, last semester, I actually monitored or moderated for a woman who was teaching about Southern accents and how, how Southern accents have roots in um, Ireland and Scotland. And so that, I mean, they teach things like that. Okay. It's, it's lots of different kinds of interesting activities, even art. Um, there's one professor or one teacher that teaches about, he does something with science experiments. We were talking about how to do that on <laughs> Zoom the other day. But yeah, so it's a big, there's a big range of things that people can take and it's largely moved online. However, they were able to maintain some hybrid courses as well for people who wanted to come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, very fun. So, yeah. so is that directed towards an elderly population or is that just for everybody? It's for 50 and up. 50 and up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm not going to call 50 and up elderly. I just can't do it. No. <laughs> but it, it's kind of creeping that way, creeping right? Creeping that way. You know, they, yeah. <laughs> creeping that way. But you can't, That's right. You can't call that elderly. 50, 50 to 65, you're a young whippersnapper. You also, but people should check it out. It's a really great yeah, organization. Yeah. And now people that aren't even here in Northwest Arkansas can join in, right? Because that's one of the positives okay. yeah. of Zoom and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That has opened... I mean, that, yeah, that, that has opened up. There's going to be some opportunities uh, socially from this, just from, and this is totally off topic, but as you mentioned that, just, you know, some jobs where people now are going to have more flexibility for longer periods of time. Uh, schools, you know, I'm sure are going to learn some skill sets from this on how to, on how to do school <laughs> virtually. So anyway, it's, it's taken away the snow day. Dr. Ferguson. I know. My kids were devastated. Last week or week before last, I was devastated. Like no more snow days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the school my kids go did, did give them two snow days. Uh-huh. They were real nice. They were like, snow snow days are like a cultural phenomenon and you need to have at least one to two snow days. So. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they did get their snow days. All right. All right. Well, anything else on the kind of aging population before we kind of, kind of move on? It's okay if there's not, but any, anything that you just think... An observation, uh, the way forward with that population, anything we've learned. Uh, just, I think just the biggest anything. way forward is just to get everybody vaccinated yeah. and to to get those older adults out there to the vaccination stations. And um, I I don't really know of anything else, but I do think you know, I don't know, maybe maybe some of these conveniences that people have had to use because of the pandemic will come in handy for them if they ever do become where they can't leave home or, uh, you know, they become disabled, things like that. So 
that's all I can really think yeah. of related to COVID right now. I, I would be curious to see, just us conversating, I, I would be curious to see what nursing homes have learned from this. I mean, I'm seeing like nursing homes, if I'm a nursing home director or working at a nursing home, I, I, I'm going to want to see them being able to facilitate more Zoom calls, facilitate more technology uh, uh and how they operate. And maybe some are doing that. Maybe they've always done that. I don't really know. I've never worked with that in those contexts before. But I would be curious to see how those guys learn from this and how they can kind of better their, better the lives of their clients uh, through that. Have you seen any any thought or pattern on that at all? It's okay, okay if we haven't. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think more than anything, it's been a crisis you know, yeah. um, fewer people coming into work. Um, and gotcha, you know, when families are able to come in and be in nursing homes, they're a big help, right? Yeah. So they, they're with their older adult in there. Yeah. Doing things. Yeah. Fetching and carrying or making sure everything is okay. Yeah. And those kinds of things aren't happening. I think that probably the COVID pandemic has been a real financial burden, um, to let people come in. You have to be able to test, and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, so I hadn't thought about those little nuances mm-hmm. of, of how that affects. And I think deaths. I think that nursing home in nursing home deaths are pretty. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot, right? So, but I think that it's probably been pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, that's one of the things. As and and kind of transitioning to our next kind of topic. One of the things I've been real interested in is what we've learned from this, what we've learned from this, how we've seen that we've uh, addressed these things and how, how it's going to change us kind of moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, as we're talking about nursing homes, I'm starting to think about, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm thinking I'm, if I'm a nursing home director, I'm wanting to facilitate zoom a little bit more. I'm wanting to f- figure out where the cracks in our services are and how to improve the lives of those people. And, and, and how we can kind of move forward with that. But using that to transition into social work as a whole, right? What are, your, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts? What are the conversations amongst, uh, you know, the, the other professors here and the students in the department? What are you seeing? Um, so much I feel like I'm isolated in my office, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got clients coming in all day long. You're seeing these things. But but I'm, I, I can feel less connected to the broader social work world just because it just I don't – to spend the time doing that is, is, is tough and it's hard to kind of engage with that sometimes. What are you seeing? What is social work learning? How are we responding to COVID? And just beyond COVID, COVID and just – you know, the current political state in the U.S., the, the social issues, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests, the, the, the police, uh, all the, the stuff with the police in the news over the last year, just everything, right? Mm-hmm. The current climate of the U.S., how is social work responding to it? What are we learning to it? What, what have we done well? What are we doing poorly? What are your thoughts? Well, it's um, a big topic, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so if we talk about COVID, I think the biggest thing is everybody's jumping to telehealth. And I've watched yeah. a lot of colleagues just go head first right yeah. on in where they might have been somewhat reluctant before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have seen that. I've seen advocacy at our state level in Little Rock about telehealth being covered. Yeah. By both Medicaid, Medicare, and private insurance, yeah. those those battles continue. Uh, NASW Arkansas, the National Association of Social Workers, the Arkansas chapter, yeah. were uh, were very involved in fighting for that originally, and we continue to be involved in that um, to get it extended. until people feel comfortable leaving home. Mm -hmm. So in terms of mental health services or even some other social services, for instance, the Schmeeding Center up in Springdale, uh, they do, they do education and classes for older adults as well as care management. Mm -hmm. And they've been doing a lot of things like their support groups, things like that via Zoom or via video conferencing. So figuring all that out and being able to do it and do it quickly Mm-hmm. to get everybody ramped up has been a big challenge with COVID. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about the challenge for the School of Social Work as well in a little bit. But if we talk about kind of COVID, COVID, I don't know if, if Black Lives Matter and all of those things overlaid COVID or if COVID, I guess, uh, COVID, which overlaid which, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
but you know it there's a lot of overlay there and a lot of uh build up mm-hmm. um in terms of black lives matter and the police situation you know a lot of social workers have turned more to advocacy mm-hmm. to peaceful protest things like that we've also had to take a hard look at our level of racism yeah uh there's been talk about that for for years, you know, but not a lot. But that has also uh, amplified in this time is how much racism is still within the social work profession, how much how much systemic racism uh, is in our profession mm-hmm. as well. And so we're all having to take a hard look at that. Uh, is that on, things that forward. you guys have had conversations about? Like do you have like meetings about that, just conversations, or is that just kind of on a personal level? We do. We have a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee in the School of Social Work. And so we talk about a lot of things like that. Uh, We also uh, have that at the university level, too. And so at our level and throughout the university, uh, those conversations have been happening. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that we do here in the school is we try to um, respond or make comments based on incidents or events that happen. We feel like that's a part of our advocacy too, is making sure that we respond, but we want to respond with action. We want to respond with things that we can do to change the situation uh, as we move forward. Yeah. Uh, In terms of the police, that's really interesting because, you know, there's uh, all these different, uh, different campaigns out there, defund the police or, those kinds of things you'll see in ASW at the national level trying to work with uh, police organizations to integrate police more. I'm sorry, to integrate social work more in police yeah. settings or in the police departments. Um, how can social work complement the police? Mm-hmm. How can social work replace some things that police officers do now? Yeah. There's just a lot to talk about. Uh, around all of those things. For us here in Fayetteville, we have a new internship at the Fayetteville Police Department. I was about to say, I, I did a couple podcasts with the police and they spoke about that mm-hmm. just a little bit. It was kind of in its infancy stage and they mm-hmm. were kind of... Well, we have someone there now. Okay, awesome. And, so, um, how, yeah, give us an update on that because mm-hmm. I know our listeners would have heard those other podcasts too. It's, so. it's going well. The student that we have placed there has some experience in, in just in um, you know criminal justice uh-huh. settings, and I think he's fitting in well. It has been a little bit of a slow start because of uh, COVID exposures. I think you know, yeah. uh, you know, it shuts people down for a couple weeks if you get exposed, and so I think that's been a little bit slow starting. Yeah. But um, it's been very positively received, and I think the police department is happy at this point, and hopefully it's just going to continue to grow over the, over the next year, over from now on. What is your ideas on how that will be a helpful service? I think that social work can complement the police, certainly. Uh, looking for resources for people, even riding along and helping when someone might be having a crisis Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as we know that it's a safe situation, the, the, the uh, social worker can, can maybe help with that talking down that person or helping that person get help. Also crime victims. Now social workers have worked as crime victim advocates in uh, police departments for some time, but that even that component, getting those benefits, helping people get what they need. So mental health, um, kind of crisis management along with resource management, finding placements for people, mm-hmm. finding alternative situations to sending somebody to jail uh, yeah, when yeah. they don't need to go to jail. They need treatment. They need help. Yeah. I think that's going to be where we're going to fit in the best. Yeah, yeah. And from chatting with those guys, they were looking because so many, a high, super high percentage of their calls or a, a, fairly, a, a fairly high percentage are nonviolent, they're hoping I mean, that there's some kind of mental illness involved. Uh, there's some kind of need involved and in trying mm-hmm. to figure out exactly how social work could kind of fit into that. And I know there's some other bigger areas. I'm, I'm blanking off the top of my head. But back when we did those podcasts, I had looked and there was, I want to say San Francisco maybe, had, had just implemented a program. I could be wrong on that. 
on that city. Uh, that was very similar to that, where, where they had a social work department who potentially could could even be a first responder. Like so, mm -hmm. if they would be the uh, have your old job, right? Yes. Uh, and they would send to the social work department or whatnot, as opposed to the police department or from the police would then check it out and then realize, hey, we don't need to be here. We'll hang out until the social worker gets here, and then they can go on and do something else. So it seems like a pretty interesting, uh, yeah, program. I think that it's also probably, I haven't seen much writing on this part, but kind of a good way to stretch the police resources. Uh, you know, when social workers work in hospitals, the whole idea is to get someone set up well enough at home where they don't come back to the hospital, yeah. right? So yeah. it stretches the hospital resources because people don't have to keep coming back. Same way with police. If we can take care of a problem with someone, take care of someone's needs. Yeah then the police get called to that location or to that person fewer times. And yeah. so there's also that part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think there will be a time when, so then when police will dispatch social workers instead of going themselves. But I know why that is from my experience as a police a dispatcher, challenge. I know why that's a challenge and why you really have to think that through. Yeah. 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 That'll be, it'll be, mm -hmm. I, I will be interested to see how that develops. Yes. And over the next five yes. years or so. And not all of my colleagues would totally agree with me on my stance on that. So maybe you talk to others as well, but there's different <laughs> what, degrees. What of would be that. the various opinions of that? Um, I think some other, uh, some of my colleagues would probably have more tolerance for social, for it being social work rather than police. Okay. Gotcha. More tolerance than me. I'm, I guess I'm just a little bit conservative on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of what people's needs are, what, what reactions or what response needs to be made in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I would think that would be something you would, you kind of had to feel out a little bit mm -hmm. and, and there would be kind of a little act and learn process inside of that. Right. Let's try this. Let's see how it works. Let's it, let's tweak it. I, I would think it would take a bit to figure out exactly how that would, how that would operate. And the training of, of the social workers that were in that environment, mm -hmm. they would have to have some a little bit more specific training, I would think. Yes. Uh, potentially, depending on how you used them, I guess. Oh, I definitely think so. Yeah. I yeah. do. There's yeah. definitely some, some interesting, interesting stuff there. And I also just want to point out too, that like kind of going to our broader conversation, the practical nature of social work and every question I've asked you about kind of the, their response to these bigger things, everything that comes out of your mouth is something, here's a practical program. This is mm -hmm. something we're actually doing. You know, we're, we're, we're doing advocacy as far as telehealth goes. We're extending, we're, we're teaching classes on how to, how these people to use this. We've got this program where we're part, we're not just talking about the theory behind it, right? We're, right. We're, we're going and meeting with the police and saying, hey, we're putting students in harm's way, dang it. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not, yeah. <laughs> uh, to, go and, to go and let's say, hey, let's create a better system, even though we don't really exactly know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's this, the, the, the sense I'm getting from you is like, hey, we're learning. And, this, and it's pretty, and there's only a few places that are doing that, that right? I mean, it's not super common uh, to, to have the social workers going out with the police like that. No, it isn't real common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, kind of new, cutting edge. Let's let's find a better way to do it, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, you know, Springdale is hiring someone to do counseling or therapy with their officers. Oh, really? It's going to be a full-time person. Wow. So that's really neat. I hope, I mean, I know I'm selfish, but I hope that it's a <laughs> social worker. <laughs> I think a social worker would be perfect in that role. Yeah. And we do have some talks going on with other police departments in the area about having interns. Okay. One of the things about the school that's really neat and it's really good for the community is that sometimes we put interns in places where there's no social worker already. When we do that, usually it's someone here at the school that supervises the student. Mm -hmm. from the social work perspective and then they'll have another supervisor that's there with them day to day yeah. and we I can give you so many examples of places that started that way and now they have their own social worker gotcha and yeah. so that's one of the that's one of our successes that I love to talk about and that'll probably happen with the police department yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's nice mm -hmm. uh, so any other thoughts on just the current the current state of the United States right now, or the world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got political upheaval, you get all these kind of, or not, not, not political upheaval, but you've got political divisiveness, you've got COVID, you've got all these things happening. 
any other kind of kind of and in the heart of kind of wrapping up our conversation, which has been really fun, by the way. Uh, I don't know any kind of other thoughts that you think we need to kind of touch base on as far as social work's role in it, social work's response to it, things we've learned about ourselves in the profession, things we need to do better. Uh, well, um, we need to be get we need to get to more tables. Um, that's one of the th- that's kind of advocacy speak. Yeah. But sometimes social work's left away from the table, not invited to the table when things are discussed. Yeah. yeah as yeah. often as we should be. That's where I would like to see us go is to somehow get to more tables. Now, to that end, President Biden has hired social workers. Has he it? has social workers in his administration, which is wonderful. Um, and we're hoping that that sort of springboards social workers into more conversations about health care, universal health care, mm-hmm. uh, mental health parity, you know, mental health uh, parity in terms of insurance so that it pays the same uh, benefits for people, you know, maybe even, um, you know, more maternity benefits or more family leave benefits, all of those kinds of things. Hopefully social work will get to the table on on more of those topics and hopefully there'll be you know more discussions on that who is he hired who's a social worker do you, do you know off the top of your head i'm curious no, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i know there's at least two to three um and and it like higher we, level people or just kind of people within his probably not the highest level but in there somewhere but kind of right below maybe gotcha. okay Interesting. I can research that and get back to you yeah, on that one. That's no big deal. But I'm yeah, sure. any, any of us can uh, Google that. I don't have my computer with me. And he's me, talked about social work. Yeah. Uh, he has. He's talked about social work in some of his speeches and things like that. So we find that to be, we find that very uh, rewarding and, you know, hopeful for us. Yeah, yeah. You're right about the divisiveness. Um, it affects us about the way I guess it probably does everybody else. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, I wish that it would end, but I don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would think, yeah, that that's a pretty pervasive challenge these days. Even when it, like, when, I mean, I, I talk about it with my clients a fair amount. Like we'll have a client who's having conflict here or there, or this, that, and the other, and about how to have those conversations with somebody that you don't mm-hmm. like what they have to say Yes, and how to do that. This basic communication stuff, like, how, how to do it without, Flipping out. <laughs> Lots of social work colleagues have, you know, have stepped away from family members, you know, related yeah. to the, the to the differences. Um, it's it's really hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge, and I would even think even within the department. Uh, I mean, not the, the department, so that's that's the wrong word, but within the profession, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. you have, I mean, just because you're a social worker doesn't mean you're a Democrat. Doesn't mean you're this. Doesn't mean you're that. Right. Uh, and and so I think there's variations inside of that that uh, it, that could arise. And, more than and, you would think. And that could be a challenge. More than you might even think, uh, particularly if you practice kind of in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's different than you would think. There are very conservative folks that are in social work. Oh, yeah. You know, and then very liberal and yeah, yeah. all all mm-hmm. all types and all all in between. So it, it but. I see that a fair amount, and, and it's been interesting to me to see, because I've had some clients who a lot of their anxiety and stress were related to the political climate. So as the co- political climate has, as as we've changed uh, presidents, kind of seeing the impact of that and how that's affected them, you know, negatively or positively. I've got both, to be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, I've got some that were, you know, on all all sides of the spectrum, and and how people how how people deal with that. Uh, anyway, th- that's probably a whole other kind of random topic there, but that that is definitely an interesting one. You know, in our uh, day and age, right before the epidemic or right before the pandemic, a friend and I did a CEU presentation uh, for the Northwest Arkansas Medical Social Workers about fake news. Yeah, there you and go. And that was very interesting <laughs> to talk about that from social work ethics perspective. Yeah, and to, and and kind of what our responsibilities are to. Uh, you know, verifying things or sharing things that are true versus untrue and how to spot that. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that was, that was one response that, that a friend and I made right before the pandemic last March, actually, uh, to, 
to talk about that because, you know, social workers like anybody else is susceptible to those, to fake news and the conspiracies and things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we all love a good conspiracy now, Dr. Ferguson. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, th that's definitely something, again, going back to the practical, is just, as you said, teaching the class about it, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, let's talk about it, uh, which, you know, something our society needs a little bit more sometimes. And sometimes they need a little bit less. <laughs> sometimes they talk too much about it. Yeah. <laughs> without without any like intent of 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 authentically, you know, you you can talk at something and not at somebody and not with somebody, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's a lot of that going on. So anyway, all right, awesome. Well, very fun, very fun. Any, any anything else? Anything else you want to throw out there? I think I think it's been fun. I think our listeners have kind of had a little bit of a window open into the social work world a little bit, seen some of the, you know, the dynamics how 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 the profession thinks and whatnot uh but any any other thing you think we need to delve into i can't think of anything all right all right awesome well uh i think again like i said i think it's been fun mm -hmm. uh i think we're good uh, i don't have anything else i want to jump into either uh i am real curious to see again like i said how whether it be on an individual level or corporate level a macro level what this last season of of our lives how, how we adjust to it and how we change right mm -hmm. what are we learning from it so like the things that i would work with my clients on what are we learning from this all right i mean how are we how are we moving from the struggle to making it to where we're more comfortable with it and we're we're living with the uh the effects of it and being able to kind of change and, and migrate right and kind of go on a journey with this thing uh and and the ability to have flexible thinking <laughs> something I work with people a lot and let's be a little more flexible in how we're thinking about this uh, are, are, are we being black and white or are we being uh, are, are we being flexible are, are we able to kind of move and, and change and shift and grow uh, with the things that life grows is throwing at us uh, and I always appreciated that my social work education this with their capacity to do that right to move to change to flow to learn to grow uh, and, and to not be overly rigid um, in, 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 in how we do things, think about things, et cetera. Uh, and so that's always been, that's always been fun. I've enjoyed our conversation. Uh, go, sometimes I'll like, you know, ask people to, you know, if they've got Instagrams or Facebooks, but you, you probably just the U of A go, go like the U of A social work department. Do you guys have a Facebook page? We do. We have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, really? Yes. So search for Do you us have there. a TikTok yet? No, oh, okay. we do not, but okay. we've talked about that. Yeah, I, I, yes. I, I want to see U, U of A professors up there doing little TikTok doing dances. Doing little TikTok dances, <laughs> yes. Well, I think we might once we're all back together. There you go, there we're you go. We're ready to be back together. So guys, go like the U of A social work department on all, all those platforms. As always, go like Point Momentum on all those platforms. Go to whatever, uh, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give us five stars. Give us a review. Shoot me an email if you have any questions. Zach at pointmomentum.com. I always like it when we get questions. And until next time. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Check back for future episodes. And as always, send in any feedback or questions to Zach at pointmomentum.com. Have a good day.